Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad that you're with me this morning. Hope you've come ready, got your Bibles open, your cup of coffee's hot, uh, your hot chocolate, whatever your drink is that you really enjoy, or your donuts, whatever you got this morning, and you're ready to, to, uh, to study a little bit today. I've got some things I want to share to you on a very practical basis. I'm going, I'm going pastoral on you this morning. I haven't done that in a long time. What I mean by pastoral is I want to, I want to take some things that the revelation will be uh, in the doing a lot more than the hearing. In other words, I'm just going to kind of guide, do some guidance this morning. Just kind of being a shepherd over with the sheep, you know, just leading you to, to some uh, green pastures and some still waters. I want to talk to you about the lifestyle that this revelation of grace begins to unveil and how we actually live this out. How do, how do we live this message out? How do we put boots on the ground? How do we demonstrate it to our culture? Because let's face it, if we can, we can have teaching week after week and dig a lot of the things out of scripture or just by revelation. And we do that most of the time on Sunday mornings. But every once in a while, I like to just, what I call stop the bus and say, hey guys, let's all get on board. Let's all come into a, to an agreement on some things that will benefit us as well as the people that we, we encounter and the culture that we find ourselves in. I want to remind you just something very quickly this morning. I'm just going to hit this and run. I want to remind you of the foundational beliefs of a grace culture like the digital cathedral. And whether you realize it or not, we are a culture. We're, we're a grace community here. We don't meet in a, a building. We don't meet in a brick and mortar structure, which I have no desire to do. Because, but we're so, part of something much bigger than that, much broader. We're part of a worldwide gathering together throughout the week of people that have come to a place where they realize that there's something more than what we received in our religious training. And our eyes are being opened to many things. I've talked to you about some foundations before of what we believe and what we can embrace as a grace community. So just let me hit these and then I'm going to get on with really what I want to talk about this morning. But I, I want to lay the foundation real quick in about 90 seconds. Can I do that? All right, what do we believe? What do we embrace as a grace community? First of all, I think that we have to embrace the fatherhood of God. Huge revelation when you begin to see God as Father. And I'm going to try not to preach these this morning because I have done that in the past. I've done whole series on the foundations. But let me just remind you, the fatherhood of God is the launch point. Once you see God as a universal Father, once you understand Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, that says there is only one God and there's only one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. That includes you and that includes me. He's in all of us. He's, he claims us. He lays hold of us. That's part of what Jesus came to reveal was the universal fatherhood of God. And Paul picked up on that. And then at 4, chapter 6, verse of Ephesians, he, he just laid it out. Second thing we believe is an unconditional love. Grace community grabs unconditional love. And, and this is hard for most people to grasp, especially when you first encounter it, you go like, man, this is too good to be true. When we talk about unconditional love, we're talking about uh, a, a love that comes from the Father and it flows on a one-way street from Him to us. Where there's nothing we do to earn it. It's totally unconditional. There's no strings. There's no hoops. There's no requirements to it. It just is. It's what this universal Father has demonstrated toward all of us. God so loved the world. He agape, un unconditional the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe, Lambano, who would ever grab onto and, 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 and understand what He's done for us, would have everlasting life. All right? So, unconditional love. He loves you unconditionally. Absolutely no condemnation in your life this morning. If your heart's condemning you, if you if this is Sunday morning, Saturday night, you were out hooting and hollering, got yourself all messed up, I want you to know something. There's no condemnation towards you, even if your heart condemns you. You know what John said? He said, you're, he said that God is greater than your heart. If your heart condemns you, John said, your, God's greater than your heart. No condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Third thing is we believe in a message of inclusion. That means there's no insiders, outsiders. When Jesus said, it is finished, when he died on the cross, if one died for all, then all died. We were crucified with Christ. There's no insiders, no outsiders. 
There's none that are, are that have it and others that don't have it. There's no room for religious pride or arrogance. It's a very inclusive message. Fourth thing that we believe is that uh, our identity is image and likeness of God. Everything revolves around identity. Once we can get people to understand who they are, what they possess, who they've always been, what it is that they've always possessed, the view that they have of themselves begins to radically change. And when the, when the view of yourself changes, behavior changes, and everything in life becomes totally different. Fifth foundation is mercy that endures forever. Death is not the end of the story, right? Death is not, in fact, there doesn't need to be death. I'm gonna get into that in January. I'm gonna do a series, six part series called Eradicating Death. It's gonna be unbelievable, off the chain. It's gonna blow your mind. Death's not the end of the story. Revelation says that the gates to the city never shut. And one point at the last chapter of Revelation, it says that the spirit and the bride are saying to all of the liars, the, the, the whoremongers, the deceivers, all of those that are outside the gate that were in the lake of fire. Lake of fire is a purification agent. Jesus, help me. Don't, I don't want to get into this. It's a purification agent. They were thrown into the purification. But when the same people that were in the lake of fire show up outside the gates of the city that never shut, the spirit and the bride saying, come on in, drink of the water of life freely. So death is not the end of the story. We believe in a mercy that endures forever. Right? So we've got fatherhood. We've got unconditional love. We have inclusion. We understand right identity and a mercy that endures forever. That's what comprises this radical, hyper-grace message that so many in religion have a problem with. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4 in your Bible. And as you're turning over to Luke chapter 4, let me say this. Let me just reiterate it. Some people have a lot of problems when they hear the word grace. They think they know what grace means until those of us that really have captured the meaning of grace begin to explain it. And then they begin to think either we got a wrong perception of grace or they got a wrong perception of grace. Let me say this about radical hyper grace. It's, it's not a do your own thing with no consequences. That's not what we teach when we teach this message of grace. It's not God um, covering and hiding your sin. In fact, it's a God that counts your transgressions no longer even against you. There are a lot of different definitions of grace, but here's one definition, and, and I want to use it because it ap it's apropos to where I want to go today and the things I want to teach. I want to, teach, I want to talk to you about six things that as much as, as within our power we need to demonstrate as a reflection of a grace community that believes in the fatherhood of God, the unconditional love, the inclusion, the mercy that endures forever, and right identity, those foundations. When you believe those foundations, they are, they're all provided to us by grace. We don't earn any of them. They're all given to us freely without charge. Just come drink, right? Just come drink. So I want to talk, as, as those develop in your life, there are six things as much as it was within our power. And the caveat to this is it's not your power. It's the power of him working as you. Demonstration. I want to talk to you about six things this morning. But let me just say a couple more things about grace. There's a lot of definitions of grace. My personal favorite is that grace is a divine influence that produces effortless change as you rest in Him. I've seen more people change through the message of grace than ever changed in you know, 40 years of pastoral ministry teaching a mixed message of law and grace. The mixture message of law and grace looks like this. We attract you with grace, but as soon as we have you hooked, we hit you with law. We come just as you are, but now that you've come just as you are, let me tell you what you have to do to be a good Christian. If you really love Jesus, if you really love the Father, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to tithe, you're going to come to church, you're going to get in a small group, you're going to evangelize. All the, all the, all the laws then begin to flood in. And people go, I, I didn't sign up for that. I came just as I was. I came by grace. And that's a powerful part of the message. But a mixed message then takes the law, as it did in Paul's time, the Judaizer said, yeah, it's good. Jesus is great. That's all good, what Paul taught. But you must be circumcised. There's an attachment to law, and it's still happening today. But one of the, one of the definitions of grace that I like, and it, it fits in with where I want to go this morning, the definition of, is this. Grace is God's ability. It's God's power working in a person that enables you to do what you're not able to do yourself. If we could do all, the, if we could have done it all ourselves, if we could have perfected ourselves, Jesus wouldn't wouldn't needed to have come. 
He actually came to fulfill the contract that the Father made with the Jews. Then when he resurrected, there was a new contract that was in effect and we all partakers. We were all born again, Peter said, through the resurrection. What I want to look at this morning is how do we, how do we live this message out? I've talked to you about we're living in a lump. I've talked to you about being the light of the world. Now let me talk to you this morning about how we shine that light and how we leaven the lump. Here's, here's what a gracer looks like when he takes it to the streets. Are you with me this morning? Let me show you how a, the, the chief gracer, the gracelet of all times, the guy who demonstrated radical grace, pure grace under all circumstances, Jesus, who is grace. This isn't a doctrine, it's a person. Let me show you how he looked when he took it to the streets. Luke chapter four, are you with me? Luke chapter four, verse 17. Here was his heart's desire. It says in verse 17, and he was handed the book of the, of the prophet Isaiah. He's in church. He just came out of the wilderness being tempted uh, uh, for 40 days. He went through a lot of mind games those 40 days. And that just came after he was baptized in water. And the father said, that's my beloved. That's my boy right there. I'm well pleased with him. God looks at you this morning and says, I'm well pleased with you. Don't think it's strange if you go through a period when you're getting a lot of pushback from people, from circumstances, from things that are for the most part, maybe beyond your control, it would seem. So Jesus comes to that. He's sitting in church. He says, give me the book. I want to read. I want to tell you what I'm here for. He says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now here's how, here's how a gracer begins to demonstrate the message, this radical message. Believe me, Jesus was well entrenched in the fatherhood of God. He was well entrenched in unconditional love and inclusion. He included everybody everywhere he went. He knew his identity, he knew who he was, and he was a proponent of mercy that had no end. Here's how he demonstrated. Here's what he took to his culture. Here's what we're gonna to take to our culture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance and recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today is this fulfilled in your ears. And when I'm done this morning, I want you to be able to say these six things that I'm going to present to you. I want you to be able to say this day, this is fulfilled in the ears of all that can hear, of all that can listen. So what I'm, my, my proposition this morning, and let me reiterate it. I want to talk to you about how the members of a grace community like the Digital Cathedral and those of us that gather on Wednesday night at the Secret Place, how we should look to our community, how we should look to the world. What should be the characteristics of our life now that we have embraced the fatherhood of God and inclusion and mercy and unconditional love? There are six things in the New Testament in the NIV, and I don't read the NIV. I call it the nearly inspired version. It's not my favorite, but I'm going to use it this morning because there are six things that the NIV addresses to those that have been transformed by grace. And in every, every verse, I'm going to give you six things. I'm going, to, I'm going to tie a verse. And each of the verses begin like this. Make every effort. Make every effort. Remember now, the caveat this morning is that it's not your power and strength that propels the effort. It's, we don't live by our faith. Galatians 2.20 says that we live by the faith of the Son of God. That's an entirely different ballgame than trying to live by your faith. I want to give you six agreements this morning that we, we should all be able to make and say, okay, I'm, I'm on board with that, just like we are on board with the five foundations. We should be on board with this because this is going to, this is going to correctly give our community the right view of a grace-filled life. And that multiplicity of lives constitute this community called called the Digital Cathedral, and it's a worldwide community. I, one of the reasons I came out of the building, that came out of pastoring a local church, and I could still be doing that today without any problem, but I felt like the message that I was teaching was bigger than that local church. I thank God for every person that was in that local church. Some of them are part of the Digital Cathedral. But I felt like what the Lord was saying was, I needed to move out of there and do what I'm doing now and on Wednesday night to people in Australia, to people in Africa and England and Europe, 
and, and in the Netherlands, and in China and India, places that tune in all different times. I felt like we needed to get this message out, and I thank you for partnering with me. I thank you for helping me, for assisting me, for supporting me so that it makes it possible for us to do this together. So we're points of light in a lot of different countries. And the way we, we, we ramp this up from a 20-watt light bulb are through some of the things I'm going to talk to you about this morning. It's not an exhaustive list. It's not an absolute com complete teaching that you can say, okay, there is no more to add to this. I'm just going to give you some starters this morning that I think will infuse you with an understanding and an, and an enthusiasm and a desire to begin to demonstrate what it is that we teach. And then I'm going to conclude this morning with a testimony from a lady that posted on the Don Keithley Ministries a few days ago exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Her, name's, her name is, is Terry Atkins. Joseph and Terry are regular tenors of the Digital Cathedral, uh, the Secret Place. They're strong supporters of the ministry, and I appreciate them so much. They've grown by leaps and bounds in the time that I've known them, and she gave a tremendous testimony that just highlights exactly what I wanted to get across this morning. So I asked her, after she posted, I said, can I share this because it it's so well illustrated. She said, of course, please do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with that this morning. As grace works in us, there are going to be certain things that begin to manifest. Certain things that as much as lies within you, as much as you have the ability to do, I want you to begin to understand that the Father is cultivating and, and bringing these up to the surface of your life. Again, let me say, the revelation this morning is not so much in the hearing. I'm not going to dig out some gems that maybe you've never heard that you go, whoa, wow, that's heavy. That's a, that's a great revelation. I'm going to give you some things that I want you to understand that as God enables you, as he empowers you, and illuminates, brings revelation, that these things you will begin to show to the world that's outside of there, and they're going to want to know more. All right? So let me, let, me just give you, let me just give you six, okay? The first thing that I think, number one, is this. And these aren't in any order, just the way they came to me. Number one is this. As much as lies within us, we need to maintain integrity. We need to be a people of integrity. Now, just stay with me this morning all the way to the end, please. This, this will change your life. This will transform your life. This will remove a lot of hindrances. This will open the door for more revelation. Now, let me give you a scripture that goes along with this. We want to maintain integrity. I'm going to explain what that means. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 says this. Dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, watch, make every effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace. Make every effort, as much as you can, make an effort to be spotless, blameless, and at peace. Now, what does that mean to be spotless and blameless? That means that you live with integrity. That does not mean you're perfect. I, I used to take that text, to be frank with you, when I was a pastor and used it to be spotless and blameless. I preached perfection, Christian perfection. You, could, you need to walk without ever sinning. No, I was, I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. It means to live with integrity. It doesn't mean perfect. That begs the question, how do you mean integrity if you're not perfect? Now, here's where grace comes in. Integrity means that we are, are, are listening. Integrity means that we're transparent, right? We're demonstrators of grace. We're, we're willing to be wide open about our strengths and about our weaknesses. And you, when you're a person of integrity, that means you're authentic. The world is looking for authenticity today. The world's not looking for perfection. The world is looking for the real deal. You're the real deal. If you, the, let me take you back to when you were under law. Law does not allow you to have integrity because the law demands perfection. And since we cannot be perfect, since we cannot be perfect, what it, what it, what it makes us become is hypocrites. We put on fig leaves and masks to appear to be something, especially in church, that we're not. Because every week we, we hear hounded about our sin and we're sin conscious and we need to be perfect and we need to do better. So we don't want to display any imperfection because people will think less of us. That's not integrity. To, to put on a, a mask and to cover yourself with fig leaves is not integrity. 
Transparency is integrity. When you're transparent, you're honest, absolutely honest about giving God glory where grace has changed you. And you're, as, you're honest in the exact same degree and extent to where you're still a work in progress. And most of us fit both those categories. Grace has done a job on us, but we're also a work in progress. Now that allows you to have integrity even when you don't have it together in every area of your life. Grace means this. This is what I love about grace. Grace means that I don't have to cover myself and present myself as something that I'm really not. That's religion. Religion forces you because of the demand of perfection and our, our unwillingness to admit we are not perfect because then we blow the message. We come under guilt, we come under, under condemnation because we have failed in some areas. Grace comes along, it alleviates us of that pressure, of that responsibility. Integrity means we, leave, we live what we say. We live what we say. We model our words. We're honest. We're, we're fair. We're solid. Can I just give you an insight for just a second? The Holy Spirit will never lead you to be unreliable. Holy Spirit will never lead you to be inconsistent. Holy Spirit will never make you flaky. Whole lot of flakiness in the church. Whole lot of flakiness in charismatic circles. All under the guise of the Holy Spirit. This is how he's made me. And, it's, and, and in most cases, it's to give ourselves a degree of spirituality and perfection that we really don't have. So that's number one. I can't take all morning because I got six of these and I'm already 21 minutes into the teaching. So as much as, as we have the ability, as much as lies within our effort, let's be people of integrity. Can we do that? That means we're transparent. We just be who we be. We be who we be. Number two, <clears throat> this is tough. Number two, as grace works in us. Now, let me say again, this, you can't do this on your own. It's a work of the Father. It's a work of spirit. We agree to forgive those that hurt us. We agree to forgive those that hurt us. Let me say something about forgiveness before I get into it. Forgiveness is something you want to make up your mind about ahead of time. You want to make up your mind ahead of time that you're a forgiver, that people can do nothing to offend you to the degree or accuse you to the level or belittle you to the point that you will not forgive them. You want to make up your mind ahead of time that you're a forgiver. No matter what comes, no matter what goes, no matter how you're treated, no matter what people say about you, you don't make up your mind in the middle of the mess to forgive them because I'm going to tell you what, your heart will be bent toward another direction. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He meant that not just for the soldiers, not just for those that forsook him. He meant that for all ages to come. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He made up his mind ahead of time to forgive. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Let me just get back over here to Hebrews. And we're, I'm, I'm, I'm attaching a scripture to all of these because I want you to see the importance of all of them. And, you know, I, I want to be legal with you this morning. I, I don't want you to, to think I'm just making some of this up, okay? I, I want you to know there is there's scripture for all of it because some of us still need the scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I do. I like scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Now, here's how we fall short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. <clears throat> there are a lot of people today that, are, that have a root of bitterness that have grown up inside because they're not forgiving. Grace people, people that believe in the finished work of the cross. It's the grace of God. Listen, it's the grace of God that empowered the grace of God to forgive all of our sins, past, present, and future, and to say, they're sins I remember no more. It's a done issue. He's not holding our trespasses against us, right? That's what it says. He, he was in Christ reconciling the world through Christ, not holding our trespasses against us. He made up his mind ahead of time that whatever trespass transpired, that it was already forgiven. It was a done deal. 
People of grace are forgivers. Now, let me just be honest with you. If you believe in grace, you believe all of the foundations that I gave you at the beginning of the teaching today, you're going to be hurt. Attempted, there'll be those that attempt to hurt you. I can for sure tell you, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be wronged. You're going to be taken advantage of. It will happen. It is just a given. What is it? Matthew 18, long about verse 7, says that offenses must come. Offenses must come. They will come. You'll be hurt by people intentionally. You'll be hurt by people unintentionally. Right? That you'll be hurt by those people that you know, and you'll be wronged by people that you don't know. But if you're going to be a carrier of transformation to people, let me reiterate, you're going to get punched in the gut. Might as well just tell you. So ahead of time, not when it, not during the time or after it's all over, ahead of time, you make up your mind to be a forgiver, knowing that you're going to take some shots. All right, let me let me read to you how this how this looks. Here's here's how the lifestyle of grace looks. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. All right. For in this one aspect of being a forgiver. Man, th this this will set you free. You're, you're not forgiving. It's good to forgive and release people. That That's one part of it. But what I'm after this morning is to show you how when you're a forgiver and you forgive people ahead of time without even thinking about it, it frees you. This is what cuts the cords to the world. See, the world is an eye for an eye. The world is dog eat dog. When you come along as a grace person and you're punched in the stomach, with, 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 a, with a wrong, I mean an absolute wrong. Somebody has flat done you dirty. Everything in you wants to retaliate, but you've made up your mind ahead of time to forgive. That's what you'll do. All right, here's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. Jesus said this, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father. You want to, be, you want to manifest as a son? He just told you in two verses how you do it. So that you will be called sons of your Father, who is in heaven. For he makes the rain to shine, or he makes the sun to shine on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So God doesn't look on anybody any different than anybody else. And that's what you make up your mind ahead of time to, is you don't see people differently. What you would call just, unjust, or believers, non-believers, good or evil. See, you, you eliminate that. Verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward is that? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be per perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So you want to look like Daddy? He says, forgive those people that wrong you. Forgive those that persecute you. Forgive those that say evil things against you. Now here's what forgiveness will do. Even within a, a, a broad church community, forgiveness will mark us in the community. And it will make the light that you have within you the light of the world because it's so contrary to our culture. It's even contrary to the religious culture. It'll take that 20 watt light bulb that you've been shining and turn it up to 100 watt. If you, if you allow bitterness to take a root, what we just read in scripture, don't let, don't let bitterness take root. If it takes root, here's what you're gonna find. Your love for God, your love for the Father, and your love for people is going to shrink. It's gonna shrivel up. This forgiveness is, is probably in my life. I'm just going to tell you about me. Forgiveness in my life has probably been the biggest measuring stick for grace that I could ever encounter. I've had, so many, I've had a lot of opportunities to not be forgiving. I've had a lot, a lot of opportunities to have resentments. And I've struggled with some. I'll be honest with you. I've struggled with it sometimes. But the further I moved into grace, the further I moved into you know, being transparent, making up my mind ahead of time to forgive people and, and the other things I'm going to talk to you about. Look, these six come out of my experience, okay? This is, this, is, this is bread and butter to me. This is how you develop. This is how you manifest. It's a great measuring stick. If you still 
And nobody knows but you if you've still got that little pocket of unforgiveness down in there against that person that you've totally justified yourself in not forgiving. You still hold it against them. You need to let it go because it's a block to you. They, they've forgotten it. They've went out. They're, they're, the people that have hurt me, wounded me, said things about me, they've moved on. They don't, they don't think about it. It's me the one that wants to hold it against them. But when I release it, when I let go of it, it's, it's, it is a, a freedom for me. All right, number three. I got to hurry along this morning. Number three, as much as, uh, as we have the ability to, number three, we need to relax and trust God. Relax. Hebrews 4.11 says that we should labor as much as was, is within us. We should labor to enter his rest. Now, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road in demonstrating the power of grace at work in your life, especially to people that are what I call pre-believers. They're not awakened yet. When they see your lifestyle of, of being relaxed and at rest in the world that we live in, let me tell you something, you're going to stand out. You're going to totally look different. You and I are learning by his power, by grace, to relax and give God the space to work. Even if that space is an extended time. Sometimes it's, it's a little longer period of time for God to work than what we would like him to. And it can get a little bit tense. I mean, it can, it can get where you want to carry the burden. But let me say this, his yoke is still easy, his burden is still light. We're not called to carry our burdens. We're not called to carry other people's burdens. We're not called to carry the burdens of the church. We're not called to carry the burdens of our, of our political persuasion or our nation or our world. What we are called to do is to cast all our cares on him. People of grace that can properly demonstrate this rest to other people where they're not stressed out all the time, they're not anxious, they're not uptight, it's gonna it's gonna be like man throwing a bulldog a bone. They're gonna they're gonna come for it. They're gonna want that because it's so contrary. Let me let me give you Hebrews four eleven was a scripture that says let us labor as much as within us to enter His rest. Uh, let, let me give you what Paul said. If there's anybody here that could have had times that he was really stressed, man, it was Paul and the things that he faced and went through. Here's what here's Paul's advice. Philippians chapter four verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. In everything. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when you do that, when you stay focused, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard is an interesting word. Uh, I can't remember the Greek word, but here's what it means. It means to umpire. That word guard is the word umpire. In other words, that peace will umpire your heart. That means when something comes, the umpire will say out or in. You, you have access, you don't have access. The umpire is the one that'll make the call. The peace will umpire your heart. God has a great track, Let, let's face it, God has a great track record of taking care of us. He's taken care of us in some tough times before. So when you feel stress, when you feel anxiety and you're tempted to fall for it, remember the same power that sozoed you, saved you, made you whole, made you complete, delivered you. That same power is gonna keep you the one that promised it will fulfill it. Grace allows the power of God to work in us as we rest. The greatest time that God can work in you is when you rest. If you're fighting, if you're anxious, trying to solve it yourself, he's just going to sit down and fold his hands till you wear out. When you're resting, that's why I say my favorite definition of grace is a divine influence that produces effortless change as we rest in Him. The change comes as you rest. It's like working out at the gym. For those of you guys or ladies that go to the gym, you don't make the improvements when you're actually in the gym working out. Do you know, do you know when the greatest growth of muscle takes place? Is when you're sleeping. It takes right diet and sleep in addition to the exercise. But you don't leave out of the gym you, you might leave out with, with a pump with you know blood in your muscles and they look good, 
but in a couple hours that's gone. But where the real growth in muscle takes place, if, you, if you're a gym rat, I'm a bit of a gym rat, it's when you rest. It's when you rest, when you're sleeping. See, your body can, can, can develop, it can grow. And that's the way when we rest in Him, that's when He changes us. That's when that, that divine influence that produces effortless change as we rest in Him. All right, number, number four. Number four, as much as is within us, number four, we're going to be an encourager to people. We're going to be an encourager. Romans chapter 14. Getting ready. I'm reading these six at the start of all the points out of the, uh, out of the NIV, the nearly, nearly inspired version. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Listen, every version is good. You can pick up something out of almost all the, ver all, all the versions. Romans chapter 14, verse 9. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace right, and to mutual edification. That, that's the word to build up or to encourage. So as much as is within us, let's make every effort. Let's make every effort to be an edifier or an encourager. Grace always builds up. People of grace should always be building up. It never destroys, never tears down. Here's a, here's a revelation for you. The more grace that builds you up, the more you become edified in the things I'm talking about this morning, the more you are encouraged, the more that you have to edify, to encourage, and to build up other people. You can't give out of an empty basket. The fuller your basket gets, the gooder it gets for you, the gooder, goodest you can make for somebody else. Nobody given the gift or the ministry of discouragement. There's no such ministry, no such gift. As God's people, as God's sons manifesting, God's daughters manifesting, we're called to be encouragers. Here, here's how you do that. When you're an encourager, you look past the problem to the solution. People get discouraged. People get downhearted. Maybe some of you at the Digital Cathedral this morning are discouraged and downhearted. My message this morning, I want to encourage you. I want it to be spirit and I want it to be life. So when people are discouraged, when people are distraught, when they're upset, the people of a grace community have got to demonstrate and show themselves to be a community of encouragement. Let people know that we serve a God of grace that has the power to do for them what they can't do themselves and they need to quit trying so hard to do it for themselves because through grace they can do it. Through grace it can be accomplished. All right, number, number five. Number five, make every effort to be a peacemaker. This is how this message manifests. This is what, how we demonstrate. Be a peacemaker. Um, Ephesians chapter four, verse three. I, I better read that. My time's running short. I gotta get moving here. Ephesians chapter four and verse three. Be a peacemaker. Are, are you tracking with me? All right. I'm going to explain to you something in a minute that's very important that I don't want you to get confused. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, that's peace, through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. So make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You and I are called to reduce conflict in the world. We're not called to add conflict. We're not called to, inclusive, in, it, to increase uh, animosity. People of grace will need the skill of the Holy Spirit to deal with all the different points of view that you encounter. And my gosh, do we ever encounter different points of view. Now back in, your, back in the day, you jump in there and you try to bully your way through with your opinion and your point of view. That's not how, how you do this. That's not being a peacemaker. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called what? The sons of God. You want to be called the son of God? Learn how to make peace. Here's what a peacemaker does. A peacemaker can walk into the middle of warfare. He can walk into the middle of a gigantic problem, a dilemma. And he models the prince of peace. He makes peace. There's a, there's a huge difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. 
It's much easier to keep the peace than it is to make the peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the Son of God. As much as you can make every effort to keep the bond of the spirit of peace, right? To be a peacemaker. The, the Bible values unity above uniformity. Sometimes you can keep the peace by just conforming. Just say, you know, okay, I, I give in to your, your situation. And it never becomes a conflict. You just made peace, right? Or you just, you, you just kept the peace. It wasn't making the peace. Making the peace is when you get into a Facebook gunslinging, mud-throwing mud debate. And it's gotten personal. It's the gift to come in and make peace to where we don't break the bond of fellowship. When you see things moving in a different direction with the potential to bring a disunity and to bring chaos, that's when you step in as a peacemaker. You don't add to it. You don't, you don't throw another log on fire. You step in there and you begin to make peace. Let me just ask you today. Let me ask you a question. Will you take the depth of grace? Will you be willing to submit to the depth of grace that will be a unifier of factions? That's the only way we're going to bring that priests into this world are for peacemakers that have come through the, the stages of sonship to where now they're spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. How we need them today. A spiritual father can come in when his two sons are in a fight, grab onto both of them and talk to both of them and say, all right, now I want you two to shake hands or give each other, those two brothers, each other a hug. And that's how, you know, when a good peacemaker comes in, the two that were fighting sometimes become the best of friends. If any of you guys ever got in a fight in junior high school, and the gym teacher came in and broke it up. Now, when I was in junior high, what the gym, you could not do this anymore. Our gym teacher had boxing gloves in his office. They were oversized boxing gloves. And if two boys got into a tift, he took them down to the gym. They put on these oversized boxing gloves. And I, I've put them on, believe me, a time or two. And they were so heavy that in about 45 seconds, those two middle-aged schoolboys, their arms were, were ready to fall off. They, there was no fight left and nobody got hurt. It was like getting hit with a big pillow, okay? But at, at the end of it, then the gym teacher made you shake it. And I'll tell you what, sometimes those guys became your best friends. You ate lunch with them. You played ball with them. And that's, how, that's what a peacemaker can do. That's his level of ability. All right, number six. Number six. This is what I really wanted to challenge you with this morning. Number six. A peacemaker, as much as lies within him, should make every effort to never stop growing. There's no end to our growth. There's no end to grace. That's why Paul said that it would take the ages to come to reach the depths of grace and love that God has for us. I see people all the time, man, they've like, they, they've moved on from grace. They, they understand it all, they got it all, they haven't even scratched the surface. We must never stop growing. Let me, let me read to you from 2 Peter chapter one. 2 Peter chapter one, uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here, and then I got some things I want to say about this because this is extremely important. Second Peter chapter one, and let me pick it up over here with verse five. For this reason, make every effort. Right, now watch the list that he adds here. This is what you want to make sure you continually grow in. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. Perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, listen, if you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, that means you're continually growing in these. You haven't hit the end of it. You know you haven't hit the end of it. The Holy Spirit's got so much more to reveal. If you keep increasing in these, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to keep getting more revelation. You want to continue to increase in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you got to, you got to never hit the place where you stop growing. And he gave you in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 8, he gave a whole string of things that if, if we'll be humble and submit ourselves, we can grow in all of them. And as we continue to increase in those, 
the revelation we have of him will increase. And as we see him with more clarity, as we see him as he is, we see ourselves, Because we all, as beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. That, that comes in stages, comes in levels. As we see the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image as we're looking at in that mirror from glory to glory. <clears throat> so this growing in grace is a lifelong process, right? It's, it's, it, the ramifications of it are unbelievable. We want to continue to grow. The minute we think we got it all under control, minute we think we got a handle on it all, the minute that we think I got this down pat, that's the minute that you're going to stagnate and what you understand and what you see is going to slow, slowly diminish. If Jesus grew, so can we. If he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man, well, there's plenty of room for us to grow. So let's, let's keep growing. And then as we, as we continually become more of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, I want us to take that measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ to the world, to the community. Well-grounded, the foundation set in the fatherhood of God, in, in, in the, the unconditional love, in inclusion, right? In right identity, in mercy that endures forever. Those, those are the guideposts. Those are the, the pillars and then we start to demonstrate integrity, transparency. We've got those arrows in our quiver and we walk in forgiveness. We're at rest, we're relaxing, we're trusting Him. We become encouragers, we are peacemakers. And we embrace this life of continually growing. Now this week I received a testimony from a lady, I asked her if I could read it. Because I think in this testimony, and I hadn't, you know, she didn't know I was gonna teach this, she had no idea. But she told of an encounter that she had. I want to read it for you. It's Terry, it's Terry Atkins. And as I said earlier, Joseph and Terry are an integral part of the digital cathedral and the, the secret place. They have grown by leaps and bounds. So here's how it looks when you take grace to the streets. And that's the title of the teaching this morning, Take It to the Streets. Here's what she said. Twice on Saturday... At different events I attended, I met two different ladies, one lady at each event. One I knew and hadn't seen for two years. The other I met through my son. I've always wanted to give away what I know to be true, freeing, and profound. See, that is, that is the heart. That's, a, that's the heart of a reconciler right there. The Christ life in me and the one that is in everyone. So by just being myself, that is such a key. That is such a key. Be yourself. You're not going down the street knocking on doors trying to per persuade people that you're, you know, you're a holy roller and you want to get everybody to pray the magic prayer. You just be yourself. She says, no motives. I just wanted to be myself with no motives. I talked to these two women and shared. I don't even know how it started. One was steeped in religion and always second guessing her worth. That's what religion will do to you. It will cause you to second guess your identity. That's why you got to know who you are so that you can minister identity, which Terry did. The other walking in shame and grief, trying to pull her life together. I could sure relate to both. While speaking to them in love and telling them things like, you are the father's delight. You're his child. He never leaves or forsakes you. You're unique and desired and so much more that I can't even mention. Right? She's, she's imparting to them what she has within her. If she, if she had an empty basket, if she didn't have what we're talking about this morning, she'd have nothing to give to those ladies except, I'll pray for you. You know how hollow that is? How overused that is? Which means, I just need to get out of this. This situation's kind of got me under some pressure and I want to get out, so I'll pray for you. And, and, and the powerful thing about Terry is she says, because of what I've gone through, I could relate to them. Everything you've gone through, everything you've gone through works to good. That's, what you, that's, that's part of what we're talking about here. They both cried and said that what I was saying was beautiful and was penetrating their hearts. I told them that was the spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection that we all have. When you don't recognize that the Christ lives in all. You can't make that spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection because you'll think the other person 
who may be a pre-believer, unbeliever, whatever believer, no believer, they don't have the spirit within them. But when you are like Paul and you say, Father revealed the Christ that was in me, you know that you can make that spirit to spirit connection. The day was beautiful. The things I had gone through were the very things that caused me to have compassion and insight to help them. I left both a way to reach me at any time, just being me. <sighs> That's good. That made my day. Let me say this in closing. May our purveyors, our carriers, our demonstrators, our examples of this radical pure grace message, may it grow until we leaven the entire lump. Every walk of life penetrate. Every, every walk of life touched by what you and I possess. These six, I want you to make a decision to do. You don't have to try to do them. I just want you to say, okay, those, those six, I'm, I'm going to be a person of transparency, of integrity. I'm going to, I make up my mind right now this morning. I will be a forgiver. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to rest in him. I stop, stop the nervous tension. I'm going to be an encourager. I, I know that all the experiences that I have can be used to encourage somebody else. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm not going to jump in the fight. I'm going to bring an end to it and bring reconciliation to all the parties that are involved. And I want you to make a vow with me. Maybe that's a heavy word. I want you to just agree with me that we will, number six, never stop growing. Never stop growing. This is such a marvelous journey. I don't know how anybody could just put their stake, stakes of the tent down and say, I'm not going beyond this. There's so much more to gain. And as we make up our mind to continue to grow, I want you to simply to rest, to trust, and to believe for the effortless change that will transpire in your life as you rest in Him. Amen. All right. God bless you. I think that's a good stopping point here at the Digital Cathedral. Thank you for being with me. Make sure you hit the subscribe if you haven't and the like. It's important. It helps move us in front of more people. And make sure you tell people about the Digital Cathedral. Everything we talk about here is practical. It's good. It's down to earth and it's spirit directed. And so your friends will enjoy it too. Share, share this teaching on your wall or with your group. I won't do it. I think it's a little bit uh, presumptuous for me to do it, but it's certainly okay for you too. Thank you for being with me. See you Wednesday night at The Secret Place, 7 a.m. Central, right there on the Don Keithley ministry page. And see you back next week at the Digital Cathedral, same time, same place. God bless.